It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Good to gather with you. Good to see your faces here. Uh, open up your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 3. If you were here last week, you know why we're not looking at Colossians. Uh, although we are in this series of Colossians that we've entitled Christ Exalted Over All. And the reason why we are looking at 1 Peter to start is because last week we started a two-part series talking about marriage. Marriage matters, doesn't it? Marriage is important. Whether you are married or not this morning, we should all hold up marriage in honor. That's what the scriptures say. We talked about that last week. And uh, really the main point of last week is we talked about the meaning of marriage is that God is the one who established marriage. And if God established it, then he has the right and the authority to tell us what marriage should look like. And so we just spent last week looking at many different things, uh, 10 points that we had, 10 facts about the meaning of marriage. And that is so important for us to understand. First and foremost, it's established by God. And if it's established by God, then therefore we must follow what the scriptures say. And here's what it says in Colossians 3, verse 18. This is what we kind of spent our time on last week and this week and why I just wanted to pause, uh, take a moment to focus on marriage. Uh, this is what it says uh, in the text of Colossians 3, verse 18. I'll just read it for you. You don't need to turn there. Uh, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Verse 19 says, husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. And so really, that's our outline for today. Wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives. So we are looking at the roles of marriage this morning. Christ, exalting Christ in marriage. We're going to talk specifically about the roles in marriage. You see the scriptures there. You don't need to write those down real quick. We'll, we'll get there. So you don't need to uh, focus on that. And so in order for us to understand the roles, we're going we're gonna to look at 1 Peter 3 and we're going to look at Ephesians 5. 1 Peter 3 primarily deals with what submission is, what the role of the wife is. There's a little bit on husbands that we'll look at in that. And then we're going to look primarily in Ephesians 5 uh, when it comes to the role of husbands. So you should be in 1 Peter 3 right now. Uh, turn there with me as I start reading 1 Peter 3 verse 1. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. When they see your respectful and pure conduct, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. Let's pray. Father, we are looking at something very near and dear to your heart this morning, and that is marriage. You established it. You initiated it. You created it. And when you saw your creation after you made woman, you looked and said, 
This is very good. And so, Lord, I pray for us this morning. We are going to talk about some things that are not very popular in our culture. And frankly, there may be some here who do not want to hear what your word has to say. But I pray that you would soften all of our hearts, that you would prepare for us to hear from your word, that we would apply what it says to our lives, to our marriages, so that when the world looks on, they will see a picture of the gospel. For those who are longing for marriage, that they would look at the role that you've called them to be if one day you would have marriage for them, and that they would strive to be the godly man or woman that you've called them to be. For those who have had bad taste of marriages and had marriages fall apart, Lord, would you, would you meet them today? And would you allow them to not throw away marriage because of their bad experience, Lord, but that they would honor it, that they would lift up the marriages around them in prayer, that their desire would be that these marriages would thrive and display the good news of Jesus to those around. And so, Lord, work, work in our midst today, Father. We desperately need your spirit to meet us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So no doubt, when we talk about the role of a wife, here it is for you, wives submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord, which is what we see in Colossians 3.18. When we look at this idea of submission, no doubt even some of you are like, oh great, I'm out. Some of your wives are like, some of the wives are like, you have no idea who I'm married to, do you? <laughs> Hopefully you're not thinking that, but maybe you are. In, in the world today, if, you were to, if I were to broadcast this to America, do you think America would respond well to this idea that women, wives, are submit, to submit to their husbands? We would, I would not get a very popular response. I would not get cheering. There would not be like, yes, this is exactly the way it should be. There is much to say against this idea of submission in the world and isn't it an ancient term? Isn't this like Bible times? And we've come across new things now. And aren't there different ways that we can live? And this idea of submission is is old school. The times have changed, hasn't? This is the 21st century. But this topic, this idea that wives are to submit to their husbands, is not up for debate. We hold to the authority of God's word to scripture and therefore we believe what the scriptures say and we put ourselves under its authority. However, we need to make sure that we understand this concept of submission because there may be some of you here today, there may be some that you know, some in other churches, some who in the name of Jesus are lording it over their wives in such a way where they have gone to the extreme, far from what God intended submission to mean. So we must be sure we clarify what submission is. So let me just give one pre-qualifying statement when it comes to the roles of wives and husband. You're, you're in 1 Peter 3. Just look at verse 7 real quick. We need to understand this. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life. When it comes to the roles of wives and husbands, this is not about equality, as if the man is better or greater than the woman. That is far from it. 
we like to say this. Men and women, husbands and wives are equal in value but distinct in roles. Equal in value, distinct in roles. Women are not less than men, which would be an idea back in the Bible times where women are less. They're just for childbearing. That's it. And many of the husbands back then would have these lovers on the side, and then the woman was the, the wife was the one to stay at home and take the kids, to have kids, take care of the house, which is evil, right? That is not the way God intended marriage to be. But God has called for wives to submit to their husbands. We see here, it says, be subject. This is the same idea. Be subject to your husband. So let's first establish what submission is not. So we'll look at what is it not, and then we'll define what it actually is. First of all, submission is this. Submission is not leaving the thinking to your husband. (laughs) Marriage is not, wives, you get married and you leave your brains at the door. Or you you leave your brains at the altar and you stop thinking and the husband's going to do all the thinking and you're just there to take care of the house, to have babies, and I'll take care of everything else. That is not submission. And all the wives said, amen. (laughs) And really all the husbands should say amen too because frankly, there's a lot of us men here, including myself, who are married somebody way smarter than them. (laughs) And I say hallelujah to that. Wives, it's not about you Leaving your thinking at the altar. You have been given a brain. God has given you the ability to think. And so let me also clarify, men, this is not the opportunity as we talk about submission for you to jab your wife. And to, hey, honey, did you hear that? <laughs> None of that's going to happen, all right? This is for the women. This isn't written for the men. Do we understand that, men? This is not written for you to hold this over your wife. Woman, submit to me. Like, we've already hopefully established that is not the case. So, women, this is for you. I'm speaking to you. I'm speaking from God's word. God's given you a brain. He's given you the ability to think, to process, to see things that sometimes we as men don't see. I mean, we see here right Right here, likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. So this isn't about being silent. This is more about don't, don't be nagging. Don't, like, be constantly biting at your husband to make sure he's doing what you're doing. It doesn't mean that you can't say anything. It just means, like, don't do it in such a way where you're going to drive him crazy. Like, you're there to help. Use what you're seeing in a way that you can communicate to your husband, hey, these are some things that I'm seeing. Have you thought about this? Are you seeing these? And men, we should be wise and understand that God has given us a helper, not a slave. He's given us a helper to help think through, to do this together. This is a team effort. Submission is not leaving the thinking up to your husband. Here's the second thing. Submission is not avoiding the effort to persuade your husband. It's not avoiding the effort to persuade your husband. What what is Paul, or what is the writer here, what is Peter saying to the wives here? Like, let your conduct, let the way you live your life 
persuade your husbands. That they may be won over by the way you live your life. And so we don't live as if we let our husbands, let you let your husbands like go crazy and destroy their life when you know what's going on. But I'm just called to submit. Like that's not submission. You should want to live in such a way where you want to help your husband become more like Christ too. And let's not forget in Ephesians 5, when we get there, right before that it says, we are all to submit to one another. So there is submission that happens all to one another in a sense. Wives, you're not to be nagging and biting at your husbands. However, he's given you a brain to think and he's given you the ability to see and observe when your husband is going sideways. Now, I know it's speaking here of unbelieving husbands. And if that's the case, there's a far harder job for you to do. However, it's not hopeless. But if your husband has confessed Christ, then by all means, you want to live in such a way to persuade. Not to manipulate, right? Manipulation and persuasion are different. But if you see things, like we're all blind, right? Amen. We all have blind sides. We don't fully see the whole picture. Sometimes we're going sideways and we don't realize it. We need somebody to come in and help us along the way. And what a gift for those who are married, for, their, their, for the wife to come to the husband and say, honey, I'm concerned about you. I'm seeing this and this isn't looking right. And so we must understand, wives, you must understand submission is not just holding your hands back and letting your husband fall apart. Submission is not avoiding the effort to persuade. Here's the third thing. Submission is not putting your husband's will ahead of Christ. Putting, it's not putting your husband's will ahead of Christ. If your husband asks you to do things that go against the will of Christ, then by all means, submission is out the door. You are called first and foremost, to the authority of God. As if they're calling you to take part in things that aren't godly. I think in the sexual realm, there are things that happen that men force their wives to do which should not be done. And wives, you're at a place where you do not have to give in to that, and nor should you if it goes against the ways of the Lord. Your submission to your husband is not above your submission to Christ. And men... If you find yourself forcing things on your wife, you're sick. You need help. You need a savior. Wives, you are first and foremost called to be in submission to Christ. And so therefore, there may be times where your husband's like, I'm tired of this religious stuff. Be done with it. You can't put Christ down, can you? Once you've come to salvation, you can't put him away. In those cases, then submitting to your husband is out of the picture when it comes to the area of who you choose to follow. Let's look at the next one here. Submission is not getting all spiritual strength from your husband. We've already established here, this is primarily talking about an unbelieving husband. And therefore, you're not going to get fed by a husband who is not saved. And so therefore, like your primary responsibility anyway 
is your relationship with the Lord. And so don't lean on him. Don't expect him. If you are not growing, you don't have the excuse to say it's because of the man I'm married to. Like don't depend fully on there. Don't get all of your spiritual strength from your husband. That's sometimes what happens in marriage. We, we, we get married and we expect that this man's going to lead me. And he's a man of God. And then it happens and he realizes he's not as great of a leader as you thought. But it doesn't give you the right to blame where you're at spiritually on, on your husband. Men will get to you. You have a responsibility. But for women... Guard against getting all of your spiritual strength from your husband. Here's the last thing about what submission is not. Submission is not acting in fear. If you are afraid of your husband, and if there are legit reasons, then by all means do whatever you need to do to get yourself safe. If you're in a safe marriage where you can bring this up, like we don't live in a spirit of fear, right? And perfect love casts out what? It casts out all fear. And if you are in a place of fear, do what you can to get, get help from that. Submission doesn't mean you have to put up with every negative thing that your husband does. Now, there's lots of putting up that happens in marriage. Don't misunderstand me. But if there are legit legal things that are happening, there is not a call to submission when your life is at danger and you're being asked to do things that are evil in the sight of God. Heavy stuff here, no doubt, and we must be careful. Here, rather, let's talk about what submission is. First and foremost, submission is this. It's agreeing to let your husband lead. It's agreeing to let your husband lead. We, we see in, in the scriptures when, uh, in Genesis, when the serpent tempted Eve and Adam and they fell and then there's these consequences that God handed out. And one of the consequences for the wife was that she would desire her husband. She would desire to have that role of the husband. And yet there would be all this conflict and notice, right? That's what happens in life. Why is there submission? The reason why God calls one person to submit to another, because somebody has got to take the lead. We can't have all chiefs and no Indians. We have to have this idea somebody is in the lead and somebody is following. It just it doesn't work when nobody takes the lead. Somebody's got to take the lead, and God has established that the man, the husband, is to lead. And therefore, ultimately, it will come a point where a decision needs to be made, and that decision will ultimately lie with the husband. And the reason why you can rest in that, because whose hands are the husband's in? God's hands. And if he is out of line, God will... God will have his way with your man, all right? Amen? No, you don't, no, don't say amen. We must, as, as you must agree, you ultimately let your husband lead. And some, this is hard because you see that you are more spiritually strong. You're stronger spiritually than your husband for some of you. You may have a husband who does not even know the Lord, does not believe in the Lord. But if you're in that marriage, God calls for you to stay in that as long as he has you, as, as, your, as long as he has you as his wife, then you are to let him lead, whether he is spiritually mature or not. Again, we talked about all those things, what submission is not. But God has called you to be specifically in that role. Notice it says here, it doesn't say, hey, if, 
be subject to your own husband unless he doesn't obey the word. In that case, then just, you know, you rule over him and you take charge. No, it doesn't say that. That even if some do not obey, they may be won over by your persuasion or by your domineering, by you taking over. No, it doesn't say that. By your pure conduct. Your husband is the one who is called to lead. Submission is this. We just kind of talked about it. Responding with a quiet and gentle spirit. Again, this is not a silent spirit. This is not one that doesn't use her words. This isn't one that just lets the husband do whatever and you have no say in it. Husbands, if you're leading that way, that's not leadership. That's not loving your wife. But are you doing so in a gentle and quiet spirit? It says that right here. Verse 2, when they see you, your respectful and pure conduct. Verse 4, the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. Listen, your husbands won't be won over by your loudness. By biting at your husband when he messes up and letting him know every time he screws up. And I would have led a different way. You didn't lead the way you should have led. Like that's not beautiful in the eyes of God. It's the gentle, quiet spirit. Again, hear me. It doesn't mean you're silent. And really, isn't that the way we should all treat one another when we disagree? I don't think this gentle and humble spirit is one that's just for wives alone. That's for how we should all do con- conduct ourselves in this world especially. And isn't it so different when you disagree with somebody? Have you had any disagreements with like brothers and sisters in Christ that were like it might be kind of a big deal, but you're able to peacefully work through it? That is an act of God that we just don't see. So don't be overwhelmed as if why do I have to do that? Well, your husband should do it too, but we're talking about the wives role right now. Quiet and gentle Spirit. This kind of ties, this next one kind of ties along with agreeing to let your husband lead, but submission is also allowing your husband to have the final say. So you may come to a point where you are discussing a topic do we buy this car, do we not? And you might come to a point of disagreement. The husband ultimately is under the authority of God. You as the wife can trust that God understands the situation to where he may make a decision that you don't fully, you're not fully on board with. But men, that shouldn't give us a right to say, well, I get to call the shots every time. Often in our marriage, we don't fully agree on something. And, and there's often times where I just kind of like, you know what, we'll go with what you decide. Because most decisions in life, do they, they just don't matter, most of them. And so being the man doesn't mean you get your way all the time. That's not leadership. That's domineering. That's not, what, that's not the way a husband is to be. And so wives, allow your husband to have the final say because this is the, the, the way God has established things. Number four, submission is disagreeing in a way that communicates you intend to submit. Disagreeing in a way that communicates you intend to submit. So take this passage, in, for instance, where you have the, the wife who is dealing with possibly an unbelieving husband. If, if the unbelieving husband, if you're married to somebody who is an unbeliever and asks you that you need to be done with God, like 
you should disagree in a way that communicates, honey, I, I can't do that. I can't do that. My submission first goes to the Lord. I want to follow your leadership, but in this specific area, I can't do it. Do you see the difference between, heck no, I'm going to church, screw you, I'm out. <laughs> That's sadly how we all respond sometimes, isn't it? I've been guilty of that. But your disagreeing, disagreement in things like religion, like choosing to follow the Lord, let your communication be in such a way where you intend to submit, but you just can't do it in certain situations. Here's the last thing. Submission is respecting your husband. Okay, husbands out there, how many of you just are terrible as a husband? You just fail a lot. Raise your hands. All husbands should raise their hands. We all fail, right? We all fall short. We all don't measure up. All the more reason why we need the respects, respect of... Notice the different role here. I don't need my wife to like be all lovey-dovey with me. I, I love that, but I don't, that's not what I primarily need. If she questions my leadership, nothing sinks me more than that. I'm not talking about like there's legit questions, like I'm domineering. I'm talking about just, I'm just like a human being and I mess up. And when they attack my character, when she, and she doesn't. She's very good at that, by the way. But, like, nothing sinks me more than that. Why? Because that's how God has wired men. Like, they need the respect, especially of their wives. And even if you're you're married to a train wreck, you can still respect somebody that you don't respect. Does that make sense? There still comes a place where your conduct may win your husband over. Do you realize that? A quiet word, a quiet rebuttal, a quiet disagreement goes so much further than a loud disagreement. Respect your husband. You will win him over. Wives, are you ready to move on to the husbands? It's okay. You can say amen to that. I saved the men for last because if I'm honest, like that's the one I want to go after. <laughs> I, got, I don't like talking about the submission part because I realize, I realize in men you should have the same sensitivity. I realize what God is calling my wife to do and I feel sorry for her. <laughs> Oh, man, Nikki, I'm so sorry that God has called you to submit to me. This is the role of the husband. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. That's from Colossians 3.18. So we're in 1 Peter 3, and he does get into the husband's role. Look at verse 7. We read this a little bit ago. Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. So how do we love our wives? It starts with this. Study your wife. Study your wife. How do you love her? Study her. Look what it says there again. Husbands, live with your wives in what kind of a way? An understanding way. Study your wife. What does she like? What's her love language? Now, I, some of you may have done like, like the love language. Is it, is it Gary? What's his name? Gary Chapman? Love language. I, I'm not saying I'm against that book, but like that can be wielded as a weapon. Like, honey, you know my love language is not flowers. I'd rather have you clean the dishes. 
Why are you bring me these flowers? Don't you know my love language? So I don't like to use that way. However, men, when we understand our, what, what speaks to our wives, does she appreciate the flowers? Or would she rather appreciate you coming home and cleaning the house? Because she's had a rough day with the kids or whatnot. Or does she prefer that you bring, you know, study her. What does she prefer? Does she prefer affirmations of you lifting her up, of you're such an awesome mom, or you're a great wife, or I love the way that you, like the way you lead your company, or whatnot. Like, what feeds her soul? And I know what men say, like, I don't, like, wife are just so complicated, and I don't understand them. Can we just acknowledge that we're all complicated? <laughs> This is why it takes time. This is why we have to study to understand. And if we don't take the time to get to know our wives, then we aren't going to be able to follow what the scripture has called us to do as husbands. Study your wife. What does she enjoy? What is pleasing to her? For my wife, I know if I went home this afternoon and you know, we have, we have five kids. I know some of you are laughing at that. <laughs> You're like, five? What is five? Uh, but you, you can imagine, there's seven of us in our house. When we do laundry, I mean, it is just heaps and heaps and heaps of laundry. I would rather just like, let's throw it in a room. There's the laundry room. We'll kind of, you just pull out what you need when you need it, right? But like that, things get wrinkly, and I'd rather have it folded anyway. Um, her love language would be acts of service. So I'd just come home and just fold laundry like crazy. But study your wife. Get to know her. What does she appreciate? Here's the second thing. Be gentle with your wife. Be gentle with your wife. It says this, show honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. Like, can we just acknowledge that science has proven that, generally speaking, women are physically weaker than men. There's nothing wrong with that. I don't know why the world has, has flipped on its lid to, to act like, that is not true. <laughs> Look at the molecular structure of a man compared to a woman. Therefore, men, we should be all the more gentle with that. We should never use our size as an intimidation factor. Rather, we should be all the more gentle, showing honor to her. This goes back to, yes, the, the wife is called to have a gentle spirit, but the man's called to be gentle just the same. And it says there, in Colossians, let me back up here. Do not be harsh with them. There's no room for harshness when it comes to, that, that's not leadership. And yet, I'm, I'm not, there very well could be some people here, but there are men and women, I know marriages that have fallen apart of deacons and elders in the church who have abused their wives because God calls the wife to submit. Be gentle. Show honor to her. Turn now to Ephesians 5. We're going to look, spend the rest of the time looking at Ephesians chapter 5 as we hit the rolls. Ephesians chapter 5. Study your wife. Live with her in an understanding way. Be gentle. Show honor to her. She's the weaker vessel. It doesn't mean she's less. She's just physically weaker, generally speaking. Here's the third thing. Sacrifice your preferences for your wife. Sacrifice your preferences for your wife. Ephesians 5, starting in verse 25. 
Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. (laughs) Is there no greater calling than that? Is there no greater understanding for how husbands should live than understanding we are to call, we are called to love our wives as Christ loved the church? And what did Christ do for his bride? He gave himself up for her. Sacrifice, men, your preferences for those of your wife. If you like blue paint and she prefers a lighter gray, let her choose the paint. (laughs) These are things that marriages get broken over, broken up over, by the way. It's sad, but it's true. Like, be willing to sacrifice your preferences for your wife's. If she wants to go eat, at Five Guys, but you want to go eat at McDonald's, first of all, what's wrong with you? (laughs) Second of all, let her choose that. I'm not saying, like, this is universal where men should never get what they want, but overall, Christ did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he humbled himself, became obedient to the point of death on a cross. Leadership does not mean you get your way. Leadership means you're under a higher authority of God. You're going to answer to him. This is no, like, easy thing that we reign over our wives. We are called to surrender what we want and give ourselves up for our wives. This may mean... You're not meeting with your boys three times a week. If your wife can't stand video games, maybe you need to give that up. If she'd like you to get in shape a little bit better, like, way through that. But maybe the best thing for you would be to get yourself in shape. I mean, they're probably thinking health. They want you to be around a long time. Think about that. Like, they want you to get in shape. They might want you to be sticking around. That's not a bad thing. I know we can get out of control here, but we should be willing to lay down our lives for our wives. That's what we're called to do. That's what Christ did for the church. He gave himself up. Number four, men, lead your wife spiritually. Lead your wives spiritually. Look at verse 26. That he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. So that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle in any such thing. That she might be holy and without blemish. Listen, men. What's the goal of marriage? Your goal as a husband is to watch And help your wife blossom as a believer in Jesus that you might present her spotless. Do you see that there? He has called you to treat your wife in such a way where she can grow in her understanding and love for Jesus. That's your role. That's what you are called to do. To lead your wife spiritually. You don't have to be the smartest tool in the shed. But you can lead her. Hey, honey, what are you you getting out of the word? 
Oh, that's fantastic. It's, it's simple as asking questions. You don't have to give a 30-minute sermon. And I guarantee your wife probably doesn't want to hear a 30-minute sermon. <laughs> but are you engaging with her? Are you leading her somehow spiritually? Even if it's just opening up the scriptures in your reading. Hey, what do you think about this, honey? Don't make it too complicated as if you have to know all the answers. You don't. But God has called you specifically to lead and to present your wife as a spotless bride when Jesus comes back for her. She's not there to serve you. She's not there to make your life easier. She's not there to bow down to every command. She's not there to give you children. She's not there to clean your house. She is there for you to lead and love gently and spiritually. And ultimately, the last thing is this. Love your wife as you love yourself. Love your wife as you love yourself. Verse 28, in the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. What happens in marriage is you have two separate people, two separate fleshes, who become one flesh. How are you treating yourself in the image of your spouse? Are you loving her the way you love yourself? Because can we just acknowledge we all love ourselves? The great theologian Terrell Owens in the NFL said, I love me some me, is what he said. <laughs> He's not a theologian, by the way. That was a joke. In case you don't know who Terrell Owens is, I'll talk to you later. We all love ourselves. We all want to serve ourselves. Everything we do is for us. It's for me. We are called to love our wives in the same way. No one doesn't, no one hates, like, this is what he's saying. How could you hate your spouse? How could you treat your spouse so badly? She's you. You've become one. How can you do that? Husbands, love your wife as you love yourself. So, as we conclude here, as you think about your role, if you're a husband or a wife, maybe you're not married, but you long to be married. How, how do you think you are in these specific areas? Husbands and wives, are you making it easy for your spouse to submit to you or to love you? Or are you making it difficult? Are you living in such a way where as if they live for you? Do you realize what, what Paul's, what the scriptures say, what Jesus says? Hey, wives, you should live for your husbands. Hey, husbands, you should live for your wives. Do you see that? Like, have the other person in mind. That's really what he's saying here. Have the other person in mind. Stop thinking about yourself. Life goes so much better when we stop thinking about ourselves, doesn't it? Like, when we aren't out to get our own way, life just goes so much better, even if the people around us are a wreck and they're not giving the same respect back. But here's what happens in marriage often. Husbands, why aren't you loving your wives? Well, she's not respecting me. She's not submitting. Wife, why aren't you submitting or respecting your husband? Because he's, he's not loving me. 
And so it goes on and on and on. At some point, somebody's got to make a decision is I'm going to live for the other person. And ultimately, we're not living for ourselves. Who are we living for? Who are we called to live for? We're called to live for Christ. And here's the thing. What is all of this about? Marriage is a picture of the gospel. That's why it matters that we live out the roles that God has called us to. And when we do that in a way that honors the Lord, it is a sight to see. It is a picture of the gospel. This idea of dying to yourself as Christ died for the church is a mystery, verse 32. And it refers to Christ and the church, this idea that we can become one is a mystery, and it's the picture of how the church and Jesus become one. But if, why, if husbands aren't loving their wives the way Christ loves the church, and if wives aren't submitting and respecting their husbands as they're called to, the gospel is distorted. So how are you doing in your role? Single person. How do you esteem marriage? How do you hold up marriage? Maybe you've had a marriage that has fallen apart. I know some of you are in, the, in that boat where your marriage has crumbled. Let this be an opportunity for you to lift up all the ma- more of the marriages around you. Because you've tasted and seen the bitterness that can take place. Whether you are at fault or not. Those who are longing to be married, are you striving to live in such a way that represents this. So here, here's what I want to do now. I want to pray for us, and then we're going to p- play some music that's a little bit louder. If you're married, I want you to gre- get close to your spouse right now. Move, push the kids out of the way if you have to. Take your spouse's hand. I'm going to pray, and I'm giving you a chance to pray with your spouse now. Maybe you, it's a prayer of repentance. Men, lead out. You're the leader. If you're not married, I, let, please, please don't let this go aside. You know the marriage matters. Lift up the marriages of those around you. Ask God to bring you a spouse that represents what we've talked about. Ask God to turn you into the spouse that you are called to be. We desperately need Jesus. It is an opportunity for us to display the gospel to the church. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to give you guys an opportunity to pray together. We'll try to have the music loud so that you can not be afraid of somebody hearing what you might have to say. Men, lead out, and let's pray for one another. And then we're going to close in a song shortly after that. Father, thank you for what you've called us to as husbands and wives. And Lord, we all fall short. None of us measure up. And so keep us from pointing fingers at one another. Soften our hearts to how we have failed. Remind us that there's no condemnation. God, let us make choices here. Not to make life easier for ourselves because we want to glorify you. God, may that be our motivation. Our motivation has to be your glory. We can't do so in such a way where we expect our spouse to then respond the way they should and then hold it against them if they don't because we're holding up our side but they're not. Lord, that's missing the whole picture. This is why we need you. God, work in the marriages of our church. Be with those who have been wounded by marriage. God, would you restore them? 
Lord, those who are preparing for marriage, those who long to be married, God, would you work in all of our hearts in whatever way you need to. Lord, I pray for now. I pray that maybe now would be the beginning of healing to take place in some of the marriages that are broken here. So, God, would you move in this time as we pray together. You would be glorified and you would be honored. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Music's going to come on. Let's pray together. If you're by yourself, you're, we've, as we talked about last week, marriage is not ultimate. You're not less of a person because you're not married. But I'm asking you, pray for the marriages in the church because it is a picture of the gospel. And we're all about the gospel going forth, aren't we? And one way that happens is in, in marriage. So let's pray together.